Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the February 21st episode of Rubber Guard Radio. I'm your host, KZ. I have on the line my co-host and tag team partner for the evening, Mr. Alex Saint. Uh, this episode of Rubber Guard Radio is brought to you by our sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, if you need Lucha Libre masks, uh, DVDs, T-shirts, all kinds of different swag, go on over there and uh, check them out. Uh, WrestleWarehouse.com. Jeff will take care of you and tell them that KZ from Rubber Guard Radio sent you. Um, before we get started here, Alex, uh, we're going to start out with some business. Um, Rubber Guard Radio will be launching our own website within the next week or so. Uh, we will be hosting our shows there, uh, archives of our shows, and we will have columnists from the world of MMA and pro wrestling. Uh, we'll, there will be blogs posted daily from uh, different workers. Uh, I have a couple workers, uh, some some uh, press people, and myself, of course. Um, and we are selling ad space um, on that website. So if you are interested in advertising on our site, um, I will give you very good rates. Um, from what I hear, the rates that I am charging make me look stupid, but I'm not in this for the money. So um, like I said, we are uh, looking for sponsors. Um, you can contact me, myspace.com backslash radio, or you can email me directly, kidzombie, K-I-D-Z-O-M-B-I-E, 2000 at AOL.com. And while we're waiting for independent referee Derek Sabato to call in, what's going on, Alex? Who, 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 who? Hey, what's going on, KZ? Hey, chilling like a mad villain. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? Oh, what? Chilling like, oh, yeah, your intro there, yeah. Um, radio.com launching off. That's, that's going to be some good stuff. It's going to be some be fun cool. stuff. And there, there hey, are other so bands. All the independent. All the independent promotions you never heard about, well, uh, you listen to Rubber Guard Radio, and then you'll hear about them, and then they're not the promotions you don't hear about anymore. That's right. We're going to actually, we're going to have a section on the website for just independent pro wrestling and independent mixed martial arts press releases. Oh, wow. So, That's... you know, we're going to be covering, not not covering, but we will be plugging, you know, shows and whatnot, and, you know, um, actually, as a matter of fact, Today I received my first press credential as a as the owner of Rubber Guard Radio. Oh wow! For 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 an independent show out here, um, Fog City on the eighth of March, I am actually getting press credentials. So Jesus, dude, we're fucking growing. I actually got this row tickets to the WWE pay per view one night stand that is going to be in San Diego, California. There was a pre sale today, and then um, we got we got a lot of. Uh, Pre-sale tickets today. The New Wave family. You want to talk about a family? This morning, when uh, right before the tickets went on sale, 
I had about 20 text messages with the the password, uh, the little code word you needed, and uh, it was awesome. We all got tickets, so uh, New Wave will be very represented at the One Night Stand pay-per-view, and I'm excited as I get a chair. That's cool. Tremendous. And on the line we have independent referee Derek Sabato. What's going on, Derek? Hey, man. How are you? Fine and dandy. Good. Uh, good. What, where, are you, where are you calling from, Chief? I am calling from my house, as a matter of fact, in New Jersey. Jersey, huh? Yeah, well, sadly. Your your host KZ is is representing Northern California, and my tag team partner Alex Saint is from San Diego. So you know we're coast to coast, baby. I'd rather be in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. It's actually cold and wet and rainy up here tonight, but yeah, it's well, twenty two degrees here. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, well, we're gonna cut through the crap. So, how long have you been a fan of pro wrestling? Uh, God, since I was three or four, I saw Austin Idol and Jerry Lawler in a cage match on ESPN. Oh, and wow. that basically, that, that was it for me. You were hooked? Uh, the sickness was already inside me at that point. That's kind of funny that you said sickness, because uh, the, uh, we, we let off the show with Disturbed, Down with the Sickness. So, oh, it's wow, kind of funny. Continuity. I like it. <laughs> cool. So, um, what what made you think of you know becoming you know getting into the business? Uh, it actually just sort of happened. Like, it, like I'm not really built to be a professional wrestler, thank God. So, I always wanted to do the backstage stuff, and I was never really a guy that wanted to be in front of the camera. So, when Combat Zone was looking for just a kid to do uh, timekeeping and help on the website, I jumped at the chance. So it, it was basically, you know, right place, right time kind of thing for me. So uh, who who approached you? Was it was it Zandig himself? or? Oh, God, no. That would have scared the, probably the living shit out of me. I probably would not be in the business today. Uh, it was uh, one of his uh, buddies, Wax, and uh, the ring announcer, Dennis Shock. So Camera guy, yeah. Wax, who's... He's, he used to be the camera guy. Now he's the worker wax. Yeah, he's the hardcore diving off things, doing sentons wax. And it's kind of nuts because he's he's not he's no spring chicken. No, he, he's you know he isn't he in his thirties? I think. Wow, man, that's nuts. I hope I really didn't up up his age by like three years. Cause he'll probably be really pissed at me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that wax is listening. I hope not. But uh. <laughs> Tell me when he hears that. Okay, so so you were hired on, you know, as a you know as a gopher pretty much for CCW, and how did you become a referee? Uh, God, no one's actually ever asked me that story. Uh, we were doing the ultraviolet underground, and I was there to film to help because uh, it was a close uh, shoot, and no one had bothered to invite a referee, so they kind of just thrust me into that. It was. Extremely scary. I have a question. Um, so around what, uh, this is going kind of backwards, around what time were you a gopher for uh, CZW? Uh, I started on the first television taping in 2001, uh, June 2001. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah, 2001. And from there, it kind of just grew from there. What are your memories of that first television taping? Because I remember definitely at the time I was really into CZW. And uh, I remember that first television taping with that uh, four-way main event, uh, Justice Payne, Mike Beer, Rick Blade, 
And um, I want to say it was Nick Mondo. Don't quote me. But uh, I remember that four-way being really good. And I remember that whole show being really good. What are your memories of that? Uh, it, it was actually Blade, Lobo, Kane, and Gage. And my first memory, oh. yeah, my first memory was uh, it was a bad idea to run a Friday show because only 100 people showed up, and we were really worried about how it was going to look on television. But after that, it was basically the melee that was that main event where I think three out of four of the people in that match got hurt. Lobo blew out his knee, Blade broke his leg, jumping off a high thing, and oh, I think yeah. Gage, Gage broke a pillar on the uh, on the stage and busted his ankle. It was just, it would seem like they had avoided so many injuries doing all the crazy shit they had done. And then finally, their first toned-down television show, everyone got hurt. Um, now, before, as I, I want to ask you about how many CCW shows you attended or what all independent shows you attended before that, but what were your earliest memories of going to wrestling shows? Because uh, the East Coast is a hotbed for wrestling. I actually never went to a wrestling show uh, before 1999, so I was, Jesus, 14. Uh, I'd never, there was nothing really around in my area that was, uh, you know, things my parents would take me to, or, you know, none of my friends were really into wrestling when I was. So I went, it was was actually a week before Owen Hart had died, and uh, they just ran uh, the Wachovia Center, and my dad took me for my birthday, and I mean, for the first time seeing a show that close and, and that professional had such an impact on me. I, I basically, after that, I started going to Combat Zone because they just opened. So, I mean, it, it was so weird going from a big show to a smaller show, but the transition was made fairly easy because of how good the early CCW shows were. Okay. Um, so what are your memories of some of the earlier CCW shows? Oh, uh, God. The old CCW arena, wasn't it? The uh, the smaller arena that they first ran. It started no in Mantra. I, I never actually went to a Mantra show. Uh, they they stopped running right before I started going to their shows. But uh, my first CCW show was uh, it was supposed to be the pay per view that got canceled. And the, <laughs> Did you say the Terry up, Funk was coming in? Yeah, Terry Funk and Onita and Piranhas and Alligators and a bunch of other dumb, crazy shit that actually, thankfully, never happened because I probably wouldn't like wrestling after that anymore. But uh, it was the outside show with 200 light tubes with White Beater and Gage, and that just blew my mind. And then Nick Mondo and Justice Payne had a really good match in that show, too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I believe so. I think it was just the fact that uh, it was so... I mean, we were sitting out in the field for hours listening to a shitty rock band, and all I wanted to do was go home and watch King of the Ring. And then they came on with, you know, high flying and actually, like, some decent indie wrestling. And then the main event came, and it was just weed whackers of brutality and tubes and blood and cancerous gas going all over everyone. I mean, you can't beat that. How is the wife beater backstage? Because I just I just always imagine them as being this wild madman. But I, um, I, as as we all know, that usually people who appear like that from the crowd aren't generally like that backstage. So how, how is the wife beater? He is the opposite of his character. Quiet, uh, smart. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it, but you can hold a conversation with him. I mean, he he's intimidating as fuck. But <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't talk to him and not think about all the shit he's done. I mean, my my main memory of the wife beater is him walking uh, 
actually after they said it couldn't be done with the promo with his back just torn to pieces and just eating potato chips like it's no big deal. I mean, <laughs> he's the exact opposite of his character. And, I mean, he's a really funny guy. He's got a great family. Like, he's someone I truly respect in this business, and he's done. I mean, for someone who who got in the business and got out within six years, did a shitload. And you really you can't take away anything he's ever done. Alex, are you there, brother? Yeah, I, I was. I was trying to give the floor to you. Oh no, go go ahead, go right ahead. I'm I'm actually okay. looking for the. Um, you mentioned the the Wachovia Center, um, the show that you went to. Yeah. Was it May fourteenth, ninety nine? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just looking it up, and uh, I believe the uh, main event was a six man, but it could be a little off. Austin Rock and Show beat Hunter Taker. And Boston. Boston, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it was okay. so long ago. So after um, you discovered Combat Zone Wrestling, did you did you ever check out any Jersey All Pro shows or any other shows in that area? You know what? I don't think I've actually ever been to a Jersey All Pro show. I no. All the, uh, yeah, I did actually. They they ran the arena once with uh, God. This is a weird main event. Quack, Minero uh, Fujita, and Reckless Youth as a three way. And, oh, wow. uh, there you yeah, go. That was, that was right around when I started with Combat Zone, so that might have been the summer of 2001. And, yeah, there were, I mean, we, I've worked together with Jersey All Pro with dealing with flights on a couple shows with uh, Combat Zone. I mean, they're good people. I'd love to work for them, but I've actually, that's the only show I've ever seen. I try not to go to shows that I'm not on mm-hmm. just because I hate wrestling right now. So it's kind of deteriorating on me. Oh, so what brought uh, your hatred of wrestling? Hatred of wrestling? Uh, God, I don't know if I have a list long enough or enough time to even go into it. <laughs> uh, I hate politics, and I hate fake people, and I just, it, it has such an abundance right now in professional wrestling, especially in the indies, where, to be honest, 15 or 20 guys have done something maybe that are on the indies right now and everyone else has done nothing and they all act like they've been on WrestleMania and things of that nature. I'm not going to name names, but it's just, it's, it's intolerable to, to listen to some people sometimes in locker rooms and hear them blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's not fun to me. And if well, it's not fun, you, I don't want to be doing it. You need to move on out to, uh, out to San Diego. Alex's company will give you a job to referee. Um, uh, I'm there. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, there. Alex. I'm I'm there with bells on. The company I train for, not my company. Let's get some verbiage right. Well, um, all right. You you train with them and you work with them. Um, brother, so, you get me booked. I'm there. Hey, we do get our guests booked. I'm all I'm all about getting booked. Okay, so um, when you first started as a referee, because a referee I mean, as a lot of people, I don't, I don't think a lot of people do know, or maybe they do know. It's something definitely I didn't know before I started training, that a referee's importance in a match is very, 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 very important. So um, referees, they oftentimes make mistakes, and actually I was at a show a couple weeks ago, and I saw a referee actually kind of get stiff. Um, do you have any, you making mistakes in matches, and then someone stiffing you in a match? Uh, 
I've made mistakes, and I've, I haven't got stiffed. Uh, I was thrown in a bar bar by the Necro Butcher once, and I blame uh, Maven Bentley for that entirely. Uh, I, I guess the deal was you can't use scissors in Philadelphia, and Necro was using them on J.C. Bailey, and I was given a cue to take the scissors from him. And instead of having anywhere to go, because it was nowhere a bar bar match, Necro chased me, and I kind of got pushed into the bar bar. Oh no. wow! So he's taking a barbed wire. At least you can say you've done that. Got thrown into barbed wire by Necro. I don't know if that's really a proud thing to say. <laughs> I don't know if that'll go down on my uh, list of accomplishments, and when I get out of this stupid fucking business. <laughs> so but, back to some uh, brighter spots in wrestling. Have you ever been refereeing a match and then totally marked out at the match you were watching? Uh, God. I don't think so, because I'm normally, because there's so much to do in a ring as a referee, you have to be paying attention at all times. Uh, I've actually, I mean, there are a couple of matches where I've lost myself where I didn't realize what I was doing, because uh, I was uh, watching the match so intently. Uh, there, uh, Eddie Kingston versus Hero, uh, the loser leaves ECW match is, is one that springs to mind. There's a moment where uh, I think Hero headbutts Eddie, and I just, I almost cried, it was so hard. And they're just, I don't know. I think I'm more worried about what's going to happen and what's the next step and how much time left in the match and things of that nature to be able to actually mark out. But I go home and watch myself on DVD all the time and mark out. Okay, so let me rephrase the question then. What are some matches that you've seen yourself referee on DVD and then you've marked out at the match? Uh, Kingston Hero is the end-all, be-all. That'll probably be the... Best match I ever referee. Uh, just recently, Eddie Kingston and Shane Storm at Chikara. Uh, Ooh, you were the Storm. ref for that one. Yes. Oh fuck! What sound? What sound did Shane Storm's face make when he got hit? Uh, did you ever bang your head into the wall? Yes. That sound. Oh fuck me! That's brutal. Yeah. I mean, that was sick. Have you seen it, that there, Alex? No, I've not seen that match. Oh, um, Chikara fan Dan on the figure four board. That's his. That's his signature on the, his GIF. It's go sick. to uh, go to uh, ChikaraFans.com and go to the message board. It's on their. Uh, uh, God, it's somewhere on there. Look on their Kingston vs. Storm. Somewhere in there, there's a bunch of GIFs of it. It's just brutal. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the few matches I've seen that was just a straight-up wrestling match that Smallmark Video actually provided replays for. And normally they hold that for death matches. What, what well, was the heat like in the building the night that uh, Hero and Kingston finally had that blow-off in CCW? Because on DVD it came across well, but obviously DVD can't capture what it was like live. So. It, was, it was ridiculous. Uh, that... And maybe uh, the Ring of Honor CCW uh, doubleheader they have was the most heat I've ever had, I've ever been a part of in that building. Because normally that building is dead, and that's why I I hate Philadelphia right now as it is. But uh, it, it was just, I actually remember one lady in the front row that every time I counted two on Hero, she would yell at me, count faster, I want him gone. And would oh, wow. would yell every time I counted two. And it, it was just ridiculous. Like, people had a... It, I mean, besides Teddy, Hart, and Trent Acid, uh, there would probably... That would probably be the most heat I've ever heard at a CW show in that building. 
besides the earlier shows when they had like thousands of people there. Okay, this is uh, one of my more. Uh, this is a question I've been asking of a lot of guests lately. Do you have any good Teddy Hart stories? Oh boy. Oh God. Uh, yeah. One that's going to get me in trouble, but I honestly really don't care. Uh, I was at the Peterson Cup in Florida the year Teddy Hart uh, got hurt. And, uh, wow, how do I put this without killing, like, 9 million people all at once? We were at the hotel, and Teddy Hart was there along with his hot-ass girlfriend, who I don't know if he's still with, but if he is, God bless him, Jack Evans, uh, Lit. Uh, there's more people there, but I really can't say all those names. And Teddy Hart was preaching while him and Jack were rolling things that get you screwed up. Mm -hmm. Preaching, like saying gospel while smoking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But preaching while rolling it and smoking Oh, Oh, no, no, no. I'm just talking about rolling it. Oh, no, no, no. No, I have no problem with that. But, I mean, yeah, he's – and then him going out there later that night and flipping his eyelid inside out and claiming that one of the guys stiffed him in the ring and he popped his eyeball out. Is Teddy Hart a work or is he a real person? I I, I generally think that Teddy Hart's a work. Total 100% work. Yeah, I think so, too. I saw him live out here, and he cut this promo before his match. The match, it was, um, I want to say it was, it, was, it was late December, but he was thanking all the fans for coming out to a wrestling show on New Year's Eve when it wasn't New Year's Eve. I think it was the next week. And then uh, he dropped a couple of Owen references, and then he cut this very unintelligible promo. And then Petty? No, really? <laughs> and I was Shocking. just like... <laughs> And then I, I told all my friends, I was like, you know, you have to see Teddy Hart live. Like, he, he's become a draw to me and my friends. Like, we have to go see Teddy Hart live. He's an experience. Yeah, we, T- Teddy is, well, I guess the best way to say it is a trip. He is, he is Teddy, and that's what makes it so entertaining for me when I see him. I haven't seen him in years, though, unfortunately. Hey, Derek, you want to take a caller? Sure. All right. Caller Teddy from the 617. Who am I speaking with? Is it Teddy Hart? What's up, Ted? Welcome to Rubber Guard Radio. What can I do for you? Hey, we can't hear him. Yeah, I can't hear him either. Yeah, I can't hear him. Okay, so can you call on call back in, please? <clears throat> okay, I'm going to disconnect him. <laughs> Thanks, Ted. Well, you know. So anyway, I'm sorry about that. No As you were, sir. Uh, what were we talking about, Teddy Hart? Yes. Yeah, Teddy. Teddy is a. As far as I, I mean, if he's not at work, then wow. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think there's anywhere else to put it. Who are some guys that you've seen? Or, or ref, even, because as a referee, you can really have a real standing of where the guys are because you can hear them in the ring. Who are some guys that you've really seen progress over the years? Like, you've seen them, and, you know, maybe they weren't so good or maybe they weren't what they are now. Uh, I think the majority of Blackout, 
I think Kingston's been there for a while. He just has to be more sure of himself. But Sabian and Joker, I mean, I reffed them when I started doing the student shows. When I mean, Joker just came back from Iraq and was rusty. Those two have progressed to the point where I have total faith in what they do in the ring and, and believe that they're no matter who they're facing, they're going to have a good match. Uh, they're two... Uh, I mean, I've watched the evolution of Hero from when he started in TCW to where he is now in Ring of Honor, and just, I mean, I knew he had the raw talent, but it just blows my mind how how just smart and quick he is to the business and how good he, in everything he does and how he markets himself and merchandise alone. And in, in the ring, it, it's hard because uh, it, it, I basically worked with the same people for the last three years, and the progression has all been the same. But uh, most of the people I worked with in the beginning aren't normally aren't around anymore. Danny Havoc is, is someone else. That he's probably going to be pissed at me if I don't mention him as well. He has, I mean, from when he started in that god-off hole to Ronald Rumble to where he is now has just grown leaps and bounds. And I continue to be impressed by him when I talk to him about the business. He, he, he shows a, a great, great ability to understand and, get where he wants to be and knows what he wants and picks his spots right. And yeah, Ted, Danny Havoc and, and, and Sabian and Joker have just gotten so much better in, in just a short amount of time. It's, it's out of control. Actually, Joker's really up... good. I like that kid. I like Joker. He's really good. Um, Agreed. Well, since we're talking about your opinions on people, um, what are your, what are your opinions on Billy real? I've never met him. I've never shared a locker room with him, and all I know about Billy Real is what I read on the DOI webpage. So, half of it's true, and the other isn't. So, I don't know. I don't know about that. Most of the time, it's 100 percent true. Just people don't tend to believe a lot of it. Yeah. But uh, all I know is what I read, and his hotline's entertaining to me. I have a question. Um, you brought up Sabian and Joker, and then one of the, one of my favorite angles in CCW, at least in the recent years, uh, was the rise of Blackout. Now, um, what what are some memories of that? Because on DVD, I mean, a lot of that stuff was really awesome. How was it live? Uh, just the whole when the Blackout formed, I don't think anyone knew it was going to be as big as it was going to be. But I think when everything came together at the right time with when Joker left and Kingston took over and Robbie Robbie hit his promo stride, it was just, I mean, everything clicked so well. And The the main thing about the blackout was it was basically put together because Ruckus was getting stale as a babyface, and he, he, it lit a fire under him as a heel. I mean, he, he did some great heel work for about two years, and just they got so – it it ended up being oh – God, they're going to hate when I say this. It ended up being like John Cena. They got over – being the cool heels, so they took it as a babyface angle, and when they turned back, people were pissed because they don't like booing them. I mean, that, that's a sign of a very good overact and know what they're doing. And, you know, now the blackout's kind of stale because it's been, you know, I don't got two years since the last time they had a big angle, and I think, I think they know it too, and I think they know that they need something to jumpstart them again, but... The fact that they branched out to so many different places and there's so many different members of the Blackout, like Reyes and Kingston, and don't even work in CZW. The Blackout has gotten over to Jersey All-Pro and IWA Mid-South, and Blackout's huge in Canada for UWA. It's just, 
it's amazing to watch them excel and grow as not just, you know, God, not not just the stable, but the label blackout. I have I have no problem with women in wrestling, but if you generally, I, I have two examples just off the top of my head with blackout and LAX. I, I think that if you try to put a woman with a, a stable that's kind of getting stale, I don't think it helps it any. I think that that's time when you do need to change it up, and I don't think putting a woman with them is going to help them out. But um, but it's Chili Martinez. Come on, man. Oh, she's hot, but she could just be on oh. TV doing anything. <laughs> Get her new DVD. <laughs> no. Um, well, how, how did Eddie Kingston progress? Because I've only seen a little bit of Eddie Kingston before the blackout. How did Eddie Kingston progress as a character after entering blackout? Uh, after he entered blackout, it, it was uh, I think it was a natural transition for him because uh, working for Chikara, I mean, you can't curse, family-friendly. But when when you move over to Combat Zone, which has no rules, no limits, none of that bullshit, I mean, he progressed as not only a talker but as a worker just because he can do so many different things with the crowd and promos. I mean, I shot the Kingston promo that he did uh, when he uh, was going to work uh, Zandig in the Tournament of Death. I had chills on my arms videotaping that promo because it was so good and it was so real. Everything he says is true, and it's just the fact that he's not a character. Everything is an extension of himself, and he really got to show that being in the blackout and being on, being on a on a stage where there were no limits to the talking and to the crowd interactions. He just excelled, and now to where he's working for Ian and PWG and I believe he just got back from Germany. Like, it's just it, it improved him leaps and bounds. I mean, that that's a key part of the business nowadays that people like don't tend to think about is the the other the more places you go, the better you're going to be because if you work in front of the same tournament people every month, you're not going to get better. It don't matter who you work and where you work. It's where you go, and not enough people understand that nowadays. I think. Um, and and also uh, keep it on the same blackout trend. Um, I, I had uh, questions because I had seen Ruckus from, um, you know, his debut as, as uh, doing the racist. It wasn't, it wasn't his debut, but I remember him doing the, the racist angle, Rock and Rebel, and uh, he, he did a lot of stuff real early. <laughs> but uh, when they finally put the belt on him when he beat Messiah, and then he was really pushed as the top guy at CCW, I didn't know if he had what it took to really – carry the company per, per se. I mean, you, you know, carry the camp, uh, company storyline-wise. And I have to say, he really came into his own. What, what are some memories of the progression of Ruckus? Because you saw him really early, and then you saw what he became after the blackout stuff. So what are some memories of the progression of Ruckus? I think the uh, the main component of the progression of Ruckus was the fact that he was, once he started here, uh, this, was, this used to be the CW tagline, which was, you start here and then you go other places because it's ECW, and it w- and it was true for him. He when he started here and he was working better people than he was in Maryland and all those shit shows down there. He just excelled and and got to learn the business so much more from guys that know what the fuck they're doing. But the progression was just the fact that once again he went from being that jolly old fat black guy that can do flips into a toned down heel that kills people. Because that's who he is. He's a hustler, and 
just the progression of the character was once once again an extension of him. I mean, he went from being a guy that would go out there and throw 45 flips into a match yeah. because that's what he thought the fans wanted to see, to when he turned heel, he went out there and only did once or, t- once or twice because he knew that the less you do, the more everything's going to look better. And it just it got to the point where he was so good at what he did, they went back to cheering him again, which is a problem with Philadelphia as it is, always cheering the heels. But he he just improved leaps and bounds from being the spot the spot monkey guy and being the fat black guy that does flips to going out there and being a killer heel. And he, he just it was amazing to watch him because he he deserves everything he gets for all the hard work and dedication he has. That that man sells some fine ass pot. <laughs> what are your feelings on? Um, I, I don't want to throw. I mean, I don't want to throw out negative connotations because I, I definitely consider myself as one too. But what what are your feelings about hardcore independent wrestling fans that go to shows? Because oftentimes I feel that the workers are trying. I mean, they're workers. I mean, they're literally workers, and then the fans aren't cooperating. No matter how good the worker is, the fans aren't cooperating sometimes. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? Uh, I'm one of those people uh, that says, you know, you, you paid your ticket, and if you're not going to if you're not gonna cheer and you're not going to boo, you're going to sit in your hands, I have no problem with that because, you know, you already paid your money, so I'm getting paid. Regardless of what you do, cheer, boo, sit in your hands, jerk off, I really don't care. I'm getting paid. If you go to a wrestling show and you sit there and you just don't do anything, it's your prerogative. I don't know why you come out on a Friday, Saturday night and spend $25 to do fucking nothing. But that's just me. If you if you don't want to get behind a guy and you don't want to get behind a character, you know, more power to you. I just don't understand why you're a wrestling fan then. Okay. Um, Alex, hold on. Let me last real quick. Um, what are your opinions on the Briscoes? Because you've seen them since, you know, they were they came into the business. So what, what are your opinions on Mark and Jay? I love Mark and Jay. They're they're so entertaining uh, in and out of the ring. It's just it's amazing just how good. I mean, when, when they started, they were 16, 17, and to where they are now, you know, main eventing ring on and pay per views. It's just it. I, I, I don't know what were, you're talking about, but they just they just they just uh, headlined a Noah show. Really? You know, they were in the main event of a pro wrestling Noah show last week. Wow, you know that's, <laughs> that's a long way from a bingo hall. I'll tell you, it's a long way from in the in the parking lot of a bar. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. But yeah, they're they're two guys that I I enjoy. I mean, I've known them since I broke in as well, and just they enjoy and they love the business. And I think the best thing that ever happened to them, unfortunately, just going to sound cruel, was uh when he got in his in his motorcycle accident and they both took mm-hmm. some time off. I think. They really needed that, and I think when they came back, they came back fresh, they came back strong. Just the way they're booked and the way they go out there and they have fucking awesome matches, it's just everyone knew it, and I'm still surprised that they weren't signed when they were 18 by Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that shocked a lot of people. Was, uh, yes. they, they, they've been, I mean, uh, a lot of their matches I don't I don't always enjoy them for whatever reason, but um, they, they've definitely been... I mean, I mean, they're a good brother act. They're a really good, solid tag team, and uh, that's definitely. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this man has his, it, you know, he has what he wants, but it seems like something Vince might want. 
Yeah, I don't know. Vince is picky with his indie wrestler signings. It's so weird. Well, he they don't need Vince. You know, they can make their money in the indies and in Japan. You know, I I really get a feeling that they're going to actually relocate to Japan, like Stan Hansen did. You know, I don't I don't know if you can make your money on the Indies, but definitely in Japan. Right. Well, I'm saying, well, they work regularly. Right. So I mean, yeah, they can, they can they can make their money in Ring Honor in Japan. It just I don't know. I I just never I could never figure out why they were were never signed. I mean, they were at so many camps, and uh, I know personally that Jack Briscoe loves both of them. So it just it's one of those things like I I couldn't figure it out. I I don't understand why TNA hasn't brought them back. They had what two TNA matches. Something like that. Um, please, you really want to try, get me to explain TNA? We'll, we'll really be here forever. No, I, I, I wouldn't. Let, yeah. Let's not let's not ruin a Thursday by mentioning, you know, whatever that crap is that's on TV. Thank you, sharing me. <laughs> As you were, Alex. Okay. Um, what are what are some other? I mean, we brought up a lot of names, but I mean, who? I mean, you know, I don't want you to get in trouble or anything. But who are some of your favorite people to watch inside the ring? Uh, Hero, Kingston, uh, all the blackout. Uh, God, there's so many people. I love watching Sweeney. Sweeney is just that. It's just so entertaining to me. Uh, you just t- you just touched the nerve with my co-host. So yeah, he he uh, he has the you know that man crush on on Larry Sweeney. So that's another guy and, I don't understand why he doesn't have a contract. Sweeney is just amazing. Why in the hell I, didn't they sign him after the Nick Hogan thing? You would have thought so, right? But no. Yeah, no shit. Uh, I, I know they love him too. I, I love. I, I I never thought I'd see this, but Colin Olson on ECW might be the, the thing I watch most on wrestling right now. It's just so mm-hmm. that's entertaining to me. Maybe just because I know him, and it's just it's cool to see that. But he can sell like a motherfucker. It's amazing. Uh, I don't see. See now you're putting me on the spot, and I'm I'm gonna get in trouble for leaving out people. But off the top <laughs> of my head, that's the majority. I mean, all the car guys. There isn't one guy there that I don't like enjoy watching. Uh, Havoc, Danny Havoc, uh, Drake Younger, who is just blown up, and you really need to stop doing hardcore wrestling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's my that's my point exactly. I bring that up all the time. I mean. He, the strong style tournament for IWA Mid South is a final with Eddie Kingston. Couldn't touch that for drama. I mean, that was a beautifully done strong style match, and he doesn't need to do all that garbage. No, I know, and I've told him that. And he knows it too. But it ends up being: does he get booked doing that, or does he get booked doing hardcore wrestling? The hardcore. And that ends up being the problem. Can only you can only cut yourself out of so much money. Mm. But Drake, uh, Necro, Necro is scary. Extremely scary in the ring. And Necro is another guy who's just an awesome, awesome person if you meet him. But um, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely scary in the ring. Have you ever been – what's what's the place that you've been that you just marked out and said, I, I can't believe as a referee that I'm actually here? Uh, the first time I worked for Ring of Honor – uh, was was a big thing for me. Uh, the fact that my first match ever referee was at the ECW Arena was kind of a big thing for me. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess because I started in the ECW Arena, it's going to be kind of hard to top that. 
But, I mean, working for Ring Honor, I mean, my first car match, I remember just in, just in general, I just, it really isn't like, I really want to go, I'm going to travel. Like, that's one of the, the big things I want to do. So I really haven't gotten accomplished that much traveling-wise, so I'm kind of leaving that question open for a, a later answer. But I really want to referee in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a definitely. Okay, um, I one. I have a quick question for you, Derek. Two. Who would win in a shoot fight, Derek Sabato or Bryce Remsburg? Wow. I think everyone would win. I have to. Agree. <laughs> I have to agree. That's a damn good answer. Yes. And definitely. when I win the lottery, I'll book that match out here in San Francisco, and we'll draw two hundred people like Masawa did out here. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. 200 in California is still a trip to California. Yeah, <laughs> What are some right, of uh, this? Is, this is a Russell radio show, and Casey's gonna get mad at me. What, what are some of your interests outside of wrestling? Uh, sadly, uh, I drink. Uh, I like to watch porn, and I play poker for a living. So that's basically like my weeks. And what are some of your uh, What are some of your favorite pornographic actresses? Oh, I really don't care. I'm not one of those people into it. I just put it on and turn it off about two minutes later. I'm, so. I'm definitely one that I have to find a, a particular actress for me to really get into the movie. I, I can't. I can't just look for like porn. What, yeah, what are I'm, some of the things you look in for in, in women and uh, pornographic women? Uh. If the play button works, it really doesn't matter to me normally. <laughs> Sadly, I know. I'm really not all that picky when it comes to pornography. But it just ends up being, you know, hey, she's hot, let's go, and then it's off. It's kind of like my taste in women in general, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hockey Talk Man said in his issue that uh, rats were dead in uh, independent wrestling, at least. Now, have you had any experiences with rats as a, as a referee? I have, but I will also agree with Honky Tonk Man that rats are dead. They are... Completely. He was a deadly? No. Sadly, no. Honky Tonk Man was a fun, fun fuck. But, <laughs> yeah, rat, rats in any wrestling are dead, especially because half of them now are in the business. So it kind of screws everything up for the rest of us. <laughs> well, then the rats are inside. That's, that should be kind of fun. It's, it's not fun, though. The whole point of banging a rat is to be, you know... Banging a rat, not banging a worker. There's two different things. <laughs> and well, doing see, the, both. The, the thing is, the thing is, Alex has yet to get a rat. So, <laughs> Alex, you know, well, we have three breath, matches. Though. There's plenty of time. Don't don't hold your well, breath. Well, yeah. Sir. Well, he only has three matches under his belt, and he's yet to have a woman down there. So, wow. It seems, it seems to me that uh, if Ring of Honor is drawing as many people as, as what I'm hearing, it seems like there should be some rats. Have you seen? Have you ever been to a Ring Honor show? No, I'm, I'm in San Diego. I've only been to one in San Francisco, but I don't think that counts. No, that probably doesn't count. But <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you've ever been to a Ring Honor show, you'll know why there's not many rats. <laughs> and that's not a knock, but I'm just saying the female population at wrestling shows is way, way down. If your name is not Jeff Hardy, women are not going to see you. How do you think that a company like Chikara has affected the independent wrestling scene in uh, Philadelphia? Uh, I think they've brought back uh, quality wrestling shows 
to a Philadelphia scene uh, with Ring Honor running there rarely as much as they uh, used to. And I think it's a consistent product that will always, always, always entertain you. Uh, I think, I mean, right now, there's not me- there's not much in Philly. I mean, there's CZW, and there's PW, there's Takara, and then there's a bunch of other shitty promotions. So, I mean, out of those three, Takara has, every time they run Philadelphia, solid shows. Every time they run Philadelphia, great shows, always stuff you're going to talk about. The other companies, sometimes, you know, they hit and miss. But Chikara has always come through on the Philadelphia shows, and I think that goes through to the fans that they know that when they go see Chikara in Philadelphia, you're going to see a great fucking show. How hard are you marking out at the potential of Team WWF and the King of Trios? Very hard. Very hard. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited for One Man Gang than Demolition because I saw a picture of Demolition lately. It's not looking uh-huh. good. They don't look like anything like they, you know, used to. But I think just for the appeal of them alone will be tremendous. I wish I knew what the last team was. I'm ho- I'm, I'm kind of hoping it, it, it's a big name, but I don't know. My my, my uh, I have a friend of mine who was actually, he, he wants it really hard to be the trio of Too Cool, Brian Christopher, Scotty Tuhani, and Rikishi. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't want to say that, you know, that's just that's just some uh, guessing there. Um, I'm really excited just to hear Demolition's music play in the ECW arena. I think that is, that's going to be awesome. Me so what? So what are some um, – so we got the big King of Trios weekend coming up. Um, what are some of your uh, favorite matches that have been announced so far? What matches are you really looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to the Brody League, the Olsen Twins versus Cheech, Cloudy, and the, the Dragon Gates guy, whose name I have absolutely no idea how to pronounce because it's all letters like mixed together and things like that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because those five, uh, besides the Dragon Gate guy, has wor- have worked together numerous times, and they know each other inside and out, and I, I think that'll be extremely entertaining. Uh, Uno, Stupefied, and Generico against the Minnesota Boys. Just because I'm a I'm a huge Generico fan, and Eric Cannon's all right too, but I I really like them, and I, I think those two. I mean, sure, I don't know what the uh, other uh, night one matches are, but I think those two have the chance to be the standout matches of the first round, and just in general, being part of the biggest tournament in history of professional wrestling so far has been is going to be such an honor. And, all the things they have lined up with the fan conclave and Q&As and playing video games. I mean, there's no one in Philadelphia that's going to give you more bang for your buck than Chikara is. How does Mike Quackenbush rank among uh, – or maybe, I, maybe that's too uh, tough of a question to ask. How, how, what are your feelings on Mike Quackenbush as a promoter? Uh, Bob Saget is a fantastic man to work for, as is uh, <laughs> Leonard Chikarison. Uh, they they run. I mean, sh- them and Ring Honor have been the two most professional companies I've ever worked for. And just to walk in a, to a car show, you you know nothing's going to be unorganized. Everything's going to be lined up and set. Boom, boom, boom. This is what time we do this. This is what time we do that. It's just it, it's such a professionally run company. It's just it, it's it's a breath of fresh air to work there compared to some places whose names I'm not going to mention. Does Bob Saget sign the envelopes in the back? 
Yes. Yeah. I, he doesn't sign them. He uh, he gets his uh, secretary to stamp them. But yes. <laughs> what are some um, your favorite matches that you've seen in Chicago? My favorite matches? Yes. Uh, wow, there's a lot. Uh, Kingston Storm, off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kingston Hollow Wicked, the Falls County Anywhere match. It ranks up there from uh, Chapter 11. Uh, man, there's so many to go through. Uh, wow. Pac, uh, Pac versus Ricochet from the International Invaders weekend. Uh, the Cybernetico with uh, Sweeney against Kingston. Man, there's so many. It's really hard to choose. Just in did general. You any, did you see any of Pac's work in Ring of Honor? Because from what I understand, that he didn't have uh, the best showing in Ring of Honor. I actually haven't uh, seen his, his work in Ring of Honor. I saw the England shows. and I liked everything he did in England. So I don't, I don't know. I, I know when he was over for Takara, he was, like, battling a bad, bad cold. So I don't know if that held over to Ring of Honor or what, but... Yeah, I remember reading very uh, not good things. Um, if I could suggest two Pac matches. Um, in Pro Wrestling Gorilla, he wrestled uh, El Generico. His first weekend in, his first weekend in, he worked AJ Styles. And, um, I, I love AJ as a worker, but I don't think that was the best showcase of what Pac is or was. And then his match on the second night of All-Star Weekend against uh, El Generico, that match was just amazing. And then he did a match with Kevin Steen. That was just amazing. Ooh, Pac and Kevin Steen sounded really good. Oh, it was it was amazing. Like, Steen, um, I'm not always a fan of all of Steen. Steen. Steen's real solid, but, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fan of all of his work. But he, he knows how to go in there with a guy who can who takes really good bumps, and he can really, really get a good match out of him. Right now I'm just thinking I would love to see Steen against Colin Delaney because uh, Steen, he's had really good matches with El Generico, He's had really good matches with Pac and had a lot of good matches with a lot of other guys I can't I can't think of right now. But Super um, Dragon. Super Dragon. Dragon. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a whole different can of worms you really don't want to open with him, Derek. No problem. Alex could do three hours on his own just talking about Dragon. But um what we're gonna before we wrap up here, I do have a question for you, Derek. Um what what are your thoughts and opinions of of drug use in the pro wrestling business. Wow. Are we talking like recreational drugs or are we talking steroids? Well, okay, we, we know we know what the juice is for. That's getting big. Whatever. Yeah. That's the the juice is the juice. I mean just other drugs. You know, pharmaceutical, recreational. Uh I have no problem with it. Uh I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. Uh I mean there are, you know, examples of people that go a little overboard on it and, you know, I don't think that's acceptable. Uh, I think people, you know, to be honest, I know a lot of guys who are, you know, in pain a lot from the bumps they take and, you know, the things they've done in this business. So I have no problem with them doing what they do to make sure that they can get through a day. Uh, I'm not one to uh, advocate drinking before a show, uh, but that that's just me. And, you know, if you gotta, if you have to, I mean, it's obviously a problem if you got to take drugs to walk around and be able to move, and that that's not a good thing. But you know, as long as they're not abusing it, uh, to be completely honest with you, I don't know anyone in professional wrestling, but me personally, 
that does anything besides weed. So, mm-hmm. I mean, well, I don't I don't consider weed a drug personally. So me neither. But as far as as far as the WWE's wellness policy, when they when they announced about the fines for for marijuana use, it really upset me because. Yes, I'm. I'm going to shoot. I'm not going to bullshit. I am a pot smoker, um, but I do have physical issues with my back, and it is a known painkiller. And yeah. I would rather smoke pot than you know pop you know four Percocet and you know chase it down with Jack Daniels. But it's upsetting because it does have pain relieving qualities, and it it kind of bothers me. I mean, sure. RVD and, and Sabu got pulled over with pot in the car, but, you know, for the most part, you know, pot smoking really doesn't hurt too many people if you're responsible. Like, Agreed. I don't smoke when I'm out. I only smoke when I'm home. You know, that sounds kind of pathetic, actually. Excuse me? That sounds that sound kind of pathetic. Well, well. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's, uh, the, the only thing about the Rob Van Dam and Sabu thing was, uh, if you're going to do it, I, I mean, I remember the wellness policy when it first came out. Marijuana wasn't on it. And the main, main thing was, as long as you weren't caught doing it, it's not a problem. When guys started getting caught doing it over and over again, I think that's when they had to take the stand. But I don't, I don't agree with that being in the wellness policy. And if you're going to find people for that, I mean, you, you're, you're walking down a slippery slope because then people, are, you know, people drink beer to relieve pain. So you you have to if if you if you put a limit on one thing you don't put a limit on another you're gonna piss off you know half the locker room and you're gonna keep the other half the locker room fine it, it's a fine line and it, it's one that I think they've regretted since they've done that and I think they know that considering we haven't heard anyone get fined or suspended for marijuana. Mm-hmm. I hate to play okay. devil's advocate on that one, but um, the way I look at it is is that WWE is a multi-million publicly traded company. Uh, company. And that they did have the big, uh, the world champion and another wrestler get pulled over for marijuana. So I think it was more of a, it may have been something, I mean, obviously, you know, I have no connection with WWE, but it may have been something to appease some of the investors that they have that, you know, they are trying to do something. Because like you just said, though, they've not um, had any more, you've not heard about any more people getting fined for marijuana. So, you know, it may have just been something to appease the investors. Well, they had, they had, I mean, I, I agree completely with the fact that they took the belt off RVG, RVD because he got pulled over with pot because it doesn't set a good example when the top guy in your company is getting pulled over for drugs. It's just, it's not good business. So, I mean, and you know what? In, in my honest opinion, I think that's what ended up killing the ECW brand, but that's just me personally. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Derek, I really appreciate I'm losing my phone. I really appreciate your time this evening. Um, I'd love to have you on again, uh, probably piggybacking with uh, Bryce. We can do a referee uh, double shot. Sounds like, so, sounds like uh, a good idea to me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the office. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to plug whatever you need to plug, um, okay. let people know where to see you in the ring refereeing and how to contact you and whatnot. All right. Uh, first things first, the Chikara King of Trios, 2008. February 29th, March 1st, and March 2nd. The new Alhambra, ECW Arena, it's ECW Arena, name it, and it's been called something different, Viking Hall. Night one, night two, and night, and well, actually, day three, sadly. Uh, 
HKRPro.com is in five different languages now, English, uh, Spanish, Dutch, German, and Italian. Yeah, that's a lot. Wow. HKRPro.com, uh, you can get me on MySpace, myspace.com slash Sabato, S-A-B-A-T-O. And Sally, that is everything I have to plug. Tremendous. Thanks for yeah. coming on, Derek. It, it was it was my pleasure. It was definitely a fun uh, almost an hour. Alex, say goodbye. Uh, it was awesome having you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, guys. I appreciate Alrighty, it. All brother. I will, uh, I will be contacting you in the very near future to get you booked on again. Awesome. Thanks for the time, brother. Take it Thank easy. you, man. All right. Wow. That was a fun 50-some-odd-minute interview, huh? Yeah, it was, it was a good interview. Yeah, it was good. I I, I like that uh, that little bit of a wellness discussion at the end. You know, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I I, I tell the truth no matter what, and you know, I'm not gonna bullshit anybody. You know, I I do have you know physical problems with my back, and and I, I try my best not to have to take anything, but I do like the smoke, and it does help. You know, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. But uh, yeah, that was a fun interview. Um, Derek was pretty good. Um, we're going to, uh, wait for Mr. DiNucci to call in. Um, well, what the hell? Let's pay the bills. Uh, check out my sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, you need lucha masks, DVDs, um, all kinds of different stuff. He's got WWE swag. He's got all kinds of stuff. Go there and let Jeff know that KZ from RubberGuard Radio sent you. Um, also, we will be launching within... A week, week and a half or so, we will be launching our website, uh, rubberguardradio.com. We are not going to be a news site. Strictly opinions, unless there's something from the independent world of pro wrestling that uh, story breaks and whatnot. Um, We'll be having bloggers uh, blog about uh, life in the business, life on the road, training. Um, I'm going to be reviewing, for my first blog, I will be reviewing the... January 12th, New Wave Pro Wrestling show that uh, my co-host Alex was on. So I'm going to give a brutal, no-holds-barred review of that. I'm going to watch the show tomorrow, Alex, and I'm going to review it alone. I told my wife I'm not going to watch it with her. I'm going to sit, and I'm going to grab my notebook, and I'm going to go old school with it. Um, We're going to have uh, workers actually, you know, writing stories about life on the road and, you know, just a bunch of stuff. Uh, we don't report the news, we just comment on it. Um, also, to coincide with uh, with the opening of our website, we're going to be giving away prize packs. Uh, we have prize packs from Figure Four Weekly, we have uh, prize packs from SoCal Pro Wrestling and Wrestle Warehouse. Um, also, we have prize packs from the Revolution promotion out of Detroit, which is some fun stuff. Um, we had a pretty good interview with uh, one of their producers on uh, this past Tuesday show, Casey Miller. Um, really good stuff. It's an interesting product. They mix they mix uh, Lucha Libre with independent pro wrestling, so it's a pretty good mix. Um, also, uh, we're going to be giving away, uh, probably after the first month, we'll be giving away, I have three large manila envelopes filled with Wrestling Observer newsletters from 2007 and uh, late 2006. So we're going to be giving away those as well. So, you know, stay tuned to Rubber Guard Radio. We, uh, you know, we're...
1993. January 12th, New Wave Pro Wrestling comes back to the downtown YMCA. And your favorite superstar, Alex Saint, will also be on that show facing the one and only Locara. Locara, I understand you're a good athlete, but I don't know that much about you. But what I do know a lot about is the stinking homeless people. Let's face it, San Diego's riddled with homeless people. And as I walk down the street, they all want a piece of me. So you know what? January 12th, I will have my bodyguard. And on January 12th, Locara, you'll find out why I'm the master of the headlock. We need some new drops. Medicine, medicine. <laughs> medicine. Faggot son of a bitch. You are fag, you are punk, little gay.
and you have a love of pro wrestling, we have the promotion just for you. It's called Fog City Wrestling. Fog City had their debut show to a sold-out house in January, and it was one hell of a show. And we give the Rubber Guard Radio seal of approval for that show. Fog City's next show will be on March 8th in San Francisco. Make your plans now. Visit their website, www.fogcitywrestling.com. And when you're there, say hi to KZ. Are you looking for hard-hitting, high-flying, independent pro wrestling action? If so, your search is over. The superstars of Elite Pro Wrestling will give you just that. Elite Pro is proud to present Elite TV, which airs at 10 p.m. Central Time, Friday nights, 30 minutes, on Comcast Cable Channel 19 in the Chicagoland area. Elite TV also streams live on their website, www.eliteprowrestling.com, at 10 p.m. Central Time on Fridays. Alrighty, we're back on Rubber Guard Radio. Uh, Vito, what's hey, going on? What's going on, man? How are you? Uh, technical issues like a motherfucker. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, ah, hey, that's the beauty of radio, man. It's always fun. Yeah, no shit. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me, man. What's going on? Uh, same old, same old. Other than I'm ready to throw my computer out the fucking window. Uh, yeah, I can relate to that. I get that. Computers, to... uh, necessary evil. Got to have them, but they're a real pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, Alex, are that? you on? What's... Hey! Yeah. Hey, we're back! Okay, now. Yeah. Now, I have a question uh, let's... really quickly. Uh, yes. We talked about computers. 
Now, this is going to be a complete markout moment for me. I need Dusty Rose to cut a promo on computers. <laughs> I want I want First Blood to be involved. I'll tell you what, I will definitely cut a Dusty promo. Give, give me five minutes to get rolling, and I'll jump into it. <laughs> Here, let, let, let me reach through the phone, and I'll hand you a gimmick, and we'll all be good. No, hey, you know what? I, I actually got I actually got uh, all four of my wisdom teeth cut out this morning, so I got the oh. covered. <laughs> <laughs> Gimmicks are covered. Don't worry about that. We're good to go. <laughs> all right. Well, but it's off to have all four of your wisdom teeth cut out in one day. How come they couldn't space it out? Uh, you know what? I'm 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 a busy guy. I'm busy. I got a bunch going on. I got kids and all that good stuff. So it's one of those deals where it's like, you know what? If I'm gonna take the time to go do it. Just get it done. Hell, I worked out this afternoon. I felt great. But, you know, yeah, then once you lay down for a while, so it's like you wake up and go, oh, wow, shit, this hurts. <laughs> well, before we get rolling, Alex, hold on. I, I, I still need to introduce, you know, Vito here. Um, our guest at this time is co-host of Between the Ropes, which is a hell of a radio show with Fritzy and that Dickerman guy. And he's also a Florida independent wrestler and a member of... Uh, the New Heavenly Bodies, and what was what was the other name? I'm horrible, Vito. I'm sorry. Uh, well, you talking about my tag partner? Yes, sir. Classy Chris Nelson. That's right. Or, I'm sorry, for bodies purposes, that would be Casanova Chris Nelson. My mistake. There you go. There we go. Yeah, he... Vito DiNucci, welcome to Rubber Guard Radio. Hey, How you man, doing, I appreciate bro? it. I'm really glad to be here. Glad man, be ten here. minutes of technical difficulties from hell. Ah, you know what? Ah. It's a pain in the ass. Actually, you know what? No, they wouldn't know anything about technical difficulties, would they? Well, yeah, no shit. It, you know what? It's my phone. It's my voice over IP phone for some odd reason. It's the second second show in a row where it's been fucking with me. I don't know. All right, Alex, go for it, man. You you okay. have the office. Okay, um, Vito. So um, you said you're a busy man now. Um, from listening to Between the Ropes, you said you you don't work as much as you used to. Do you work at all nowadays? Yeah, yeah, still some. I mean, I, I had uh, I had knee surgery last August, and you know, long time coming, and got that done. And um, after that point, uh, you know, regular life. Like I said, I got I got three little kids, and um, just you know, rehab time, kind of spend some time at home, and um, kind of we are definitely gearing more up work wise right now. Um, Nelson and I, I, pretty much at this point moving forward, I'm not saying I, I'm not working any singles matches, but you know, obviously at this stage, I'm not, I'm not one of the kids coming up at this point. I've been around a while, and um, if I'm working for the most part, my preference is it's, it's with me and Chris tagging, and, and that's where our marketability is at this point now. You know, people, people who know us out there know us as the bodies, and that was our 15 minutes. So you know, typically if we're going to work, that's what we're going to do. Um, we are looking at a few different things right now. We actually just about two weeks ago had a little South American thing thrown at us where we'd be down there for a week or two. Um, so we're waiting take to shit. That. Go ahead. Take it for the flight. Fuck. No, yeah, exactly. Hey, just take the flight. Well, that yeah, and those are fun, man. You go, you know, you go down. We've we've been to South America many times, and you know, down in the islands. So those are a blast. The the, the biggest thing you got to see is that if they're going to come through you know the the tours like that man they get thrown out all the time and you know i'd say for every 10 of them they get pitched to you maybe four of them actually go and um 
you know, we're, we're waiting to see how that comes through, but that's got some potential. Um, it's funny because the two different opponents for us that were kind of pitched for this thing, one was Team 3D and the other was the Rock and Roll Express, which I don't know if you could get a whole lot more opposite, but it is what it is. So, um, you know, we, we'd be more than happy to work with either one of them. Um, I think we also got a thing working here. Looks like we might be working on heading down to Puerto Rico. Um, doing at least a little three-show shot down there, and potentially more if things go well. Um, so you know we're looking looking at that as well, and yeah, and then there's always there's some independents in Florida that we are friendly with that we like working for. Um, group out of Orlando FXE, I'm sure you've heard us babble about them a little bit on on uh, Between the Ropes once in a while. Yep. Um, they're running shows now. I've done very well for the first couple shows out the gate. Um, I know we've. We're buds with uh, guys Sean and, and Phil from the Heartbreak Express. Yep, and we had Sean on the show. He is hilarious. Sean, Sean's nuts, man. Sean. <laughs> He's good. I, I like him. I like his work, too, but, he, you know, yeah. he's fucking awesome. Well, it, you know, the only drawback for working with the Heartbreaks for us is, the, truthfully, we, we're very similar in style. You know, we're, mm-hmm. by design, if we're both doing what we are designed to do, we are... You know, the big trash-talking old-school heels that, you know, bump our asses off, and that's what we do. And, you know, they, they're they like us a little bit amped up. Sean, you know, he's big as a house, but, man, he can work. Uh, Phil, his partner, he, he's excellent. You know, he, good workers. they got a, a great gimmick. They're funny as hell. I got it. Are they funny? And truthfully, at this point, you know, they're so established as strong heels pretty much anywhere they work. If we were to work them, uh, the angle's going to have to be, you know, we'll, we'll get the baby pop because we've been gone for the most part. We don't work regularly. And a lot of the little indies and stuff we haven't done too much of in, in a while. So we would probably have to capitalize off of a decent face pop from, hey, hey guy, you know, you guys are back, cool, and, and run with that and literally work kind of a hybrid baby heel style because they're going to be heels. You can't help it. Yeah, but they're the man. Now, they're 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 uh, last. Now I have a a quick question for you. Sure, Vito. Uh, Ow, excuse me. Um, you were in the Midwest this past weekend at Brew City. Um, you you ran into a friend of the show, uh, Casey Miller, who runs the Revolution promotion out of Detroit. Um, I was wondering what were you doing up in the Milwaukee area? It wasn't me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> You got you got another Danucci. Oh, oh, you know what? I take that back. It was Tony Danucci. No, no. K- Casey was confused with Vito Tomaselli. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I was going to be okay. my next because we get that occasionally. We don't look anything yeah. alike, but I, I I cross paths with Vito now and then, and he's always saying, "Dude, I read in some guy thought I was you," and I and I say the same thing. But hey, no, you know dude, what? different Vito. <laughs> you know what? That would be a money match. That would the new the new bodies and the Iron Saints. That would be a money match right there. Sure, that'd be a real good match. I'd be into that. Fuck yeah, I would. I would be all over that. That'd be a blast. That'd be a blast. Yeah, yeah Vito. I mean, Vito's he, cool, man. He's he's a uh, he's good people, man. He's a good friend of the show. And yeah, he really Sally. is. He really is, and he's a guy that it's funny because a lot of people until they get to know Vito, you know, his, his rep is that he's kind of standoffish and alone on the arrogant side, and if you get to know him at all. Mm-hmm. You're gonna to come to find out that he's guilty of nothing more than being a New Yorker, and that's about it. Yeah, exactly. You know, he, he's a good dude, knows his stuff, has paid his dues. He, man, he is the ultimate. I tell you, he's the ultimate cockroach, and I mean that in a good way. In that he's just a survivor. You know, he yep. manages to stick around 
and make a living and be relevant to some level nonstop. Got to give them credit. What more can you ask? Uh, in this no, business, mean, man, if you can do that, you've uh, you've got it licked. He eats, dude. You know, yeah. he damn eats. Damn right. Damn right. Bottom and, line, and Alex. he does it full time. This is all you know. That that this is what he does. I mean, I know he's yeah. got some other little interest and stuff outside here, but I mean, he is a full time wrestler, and that's not that's not easy to do if you're not a contract guy. So, I have to agree. Mad credit, Alex. Uh, Alex, do you have any questions? Go for it, man. This yeah, is the yeah. TV well, show. Well, it's our show. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Vito, how did you get started in the business? Oh, bro. I, you know what? I actually, um, I actually trained initially when I was like 15 years old, um, and that would be <laughs> for the, for those of you that know my real age and all that stuff. That would be in the mid 80s. Years ago. You know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 37 in March. And uh, that would be, I, I actually got started when I was about 15 years old. And um, you know, I'm not too proud to admit, I, was, uh, I, I got my start as a backyarder, per se. Uh, me and a couple of buddies built, built a literal, legitimate ring in, uh, in the back of this one buddy of ours' property. And we did shows, and we worked out all the time, and all that kind of stuff. And it, kind of funny because there were some other guys that have, have become indie workers that used to, you know, that had decent runs as indie workers that uh, would, you know, come and work out with us because the word kind of spread that we had this ring. So there's a, you know, a guy named Cliff, Cliff Sheets, worked as Cliff Anderson, uh, was in a tag team called the Exterminators and stuff in Florida. He ran a promotion in Florida for a while. He trained with us all the time. Uh, Dennis Allen, who did some Fed job matches way back in the day and, you know, did a bunch of independents up in Jersey, New York, and then also down here in Florida. He trained with us down there. Uh, guy Marcus Marcus Wentworth, he's uh, this guy's work name. He's a manager. He's done a lot of managing and stuff in Florida. He didn't, you know, he didn't really grow much, but he, he never got big enough to really work after we trained and stuff there, but he was around. So we, we had this ring and we trained and did our thing. And you know, it, it wasn't the proverbial, you know, like you think of backyarders now and, you know, you think of the, you know, crazy stuff, these kids jumping off the two second story of houses, you know, drop an elbow and these, you know, roped in rings with three mattresses on the mat kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty organized. I mean, we, we did it, we did it the, as close to running, a, you know, something legit as you could for kids with, you know, little or no money to jack around with and, uh, turned out one of the guys we were training with had an in with championship wrestling from Florida. He was part of the ring crew. He would go from town to town wherever CWF was going, and that was in the territory days. So there were, you know, literally four or five shows a week minimum. And uh, we got hooked up with him, and we started, you know, going and setting up rings and breaking down rings. And, you know, one thing leads to another, and, you know, these guys are traveling all the time, and you get guys in these territories that want to come in and, uh, you know, get a workout in a little bit, trying new stuff out. So all of a sudden, the guys on the ring crew, if, if you even lied to them and told them you knew anything, you got to go in and play bump dummy with these guys and learn some stuff. And that was uh, that was kind of cool. I, I'm I'm proud to pl- say that I I think I think I took what was Barry Windham's first superplex because um, he was jacking around with it. it. was in Fort Pierce, Florida, and he wanted to try this thing. Barry, you know, Barry's like six seven, six eight, 
And uh, he said, hey, kid, come here. You know, sits me up on top of the ring ropes. Said, come here. You want to try this? You know, I take a bump. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so boom, takes me up there, hits me a superplex off. Uh, you know, he was coming off the second rope. So, you know, when that became a, a big thing for him when he was in the middle of his run, I was like, hey, dude, I was the first one to take that from him. That's cool. You know, I thought that was all great. But, uh, it, it, you know, that's how I got started in the business per se. And I did that for a couple years. And uh, then, you know, I'm in high school still. It's not like I dropped out of school or anything to do it. So I actually, my, my football career kind of took off. I ended up going to, to school to play football after high school. And uh, I didn't even get back involved with it till man, mid-20s. Ran into a, a buddy, uh, Dennis Allen, actually, that uh, ran into each other. And he says, man, you're keeping yourself in good shape. You ought to think about getting back into it. And uh, kind of at that point in life, I'm looking for an excuse to train. And I'm one of those guys that if i got a reason to train, I'll go in and kick ass. If I don't have a reason to train, it's kind of half-assed. And uh, so, I, you know, that became my reason, got back involved, got back in the, in the mix, and, um, you know, started making some contacts and started working some indies. Took off for me pretty fast. Within, uh, within a year and a half of just getting back in, I think I was, you know, 27 or something like that, I don't know, um, I, you know, got my first Fed Dark match, and it uh, went real well. Worked a bunch of Fed Fed Darks and, you know, Jacked Metal, all the, the syndicated shows, got a bunch of those shots, worked indies all over, and then we got hooked up with the NWA people. Um, Howard Brody was president at the time, and uh, he was running the Florida Territory. And, um, you know, got involved with him. Um, we ended up, through talent and politics, uh, with, with the NWA World Tag Belts, and had them three times, and that went real well, and that was a blast. I, you know, we we went everywhere, man. You know, it was that was cool. Um, I think we were the first people to make those belts even kind of relevant for a long time. You know, we we were in the magazines, we were were all over the place, and uh, you know, we we had a pretty good little run there, man. It wasn't cool. I mean, I, I think we had a stretch where we were about as known as anybody that didn't have a contract. You know, and that was that was fun. You know, we. If I could have, if I was not married and didn't have any kids, I could have probably done that forever. Um, so uh, hold on, hold on, just a second, Alex. So how did you hook up with Brian Fritz? Well, Fritz he's a local guy. You know, he's an Orlando guy, and I, you know, I, I'm based out of Orlando. And uh, actually, first I got to first meet him. He was. Uh, you guys ever heard of a guy named Mark Nolte? Does some commentary. Oh yeah. You know Mark? Oh yeah. And he's Owns, a wrestling um, classics guy. Wrestling classics. Yeah. You got it. Good guy. Oh yeah, real good guy. And he's, you know, I'll tell you what. If you haven't heard him, he's done. He's a hell of a commentator. Um, mm-hmm. Old school, very old school type commentator. But he's very good. And Mark, there was an outfit down here called SCW Southern Championship Wrestling, and they were running. They had TV, and it was pretty good TV. Um, their talent kind of sucked, but it was. They had a pretty good little TV spot, cable wise, throughout Central Florida. Mark was the Play by play guy, and he actually had Brian Fritz doing uh, color for him, and got to know Fritz through uh, through that deal. And uh, you know he's super good dude. Um, You know he's like Fritz is great because he is the proverbial. I mean, to some extent, he's like the. If you look in the dictionary and looked up a mark or a smart, he's he's your guy. You know he. 
knows it all, knows, you know, follows everything, reads up on it. He can pretty much throw anything back at you, you know, that he's read and known and seen. He's, you know, video hound. He does it all. But he's also got other interests. You know, he's a he's a sports nut. He's, you know, he's in the sports radio business besides the wrestling stuff. And uh, just he's a great dude. He and I have grown to become very good friends. Uh, we, you know, hang out both in 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 within the between the ropes thing and and outside of that as well. Uh, you know, go do concerts and hang out and collaborate on a lot of stuff so he's he's become one of my best friends but he's uh he is uh th- this guy is a is a wrestling geek and i mean that in all the best ways well uh, i I've, I've never i've never heard anybody say a bad word about fritzy no <laughs> never no dude he's he's just he's just good people man he's got he's got guys got a heart of gold do anything for anybody and uh you know and, and the cool thing with Brian, man, and I think it's one of the reasons our show has done so well over the years, it's, it's a radio show, man. I mean, it's a professional radio show. I got Fritz, who's a radio guy. You know, he's, he's worked, you know, done DJ work. He's done uh, show hosting on sports radio. Um, you know, and you got Dickerman, and Dickerman is a DJ. And if you can't tell, but, you know, there's not too many guys with a better voice for radio than Dickerman. You know, his is just a you know, perfect radio voice. Uh, he was the music director for years at JRR, WJRR in Orlando, and JRR is a really very critically acclaimed, you know, cutting edge uh, rock station. Uh, always known for real progressive playlists, and you know, debuting a lot of new rock that's done well. And he was one of the guys that was responsible for that. You know, real good mind for that. Uh, Dickerman's kind of cool too, you know, because obviously anybody who listens to the show has heard him talk, and he trains jujitsu, mm-hmm. and is doing very well with it doing very well with that so it's kind of cool you know and i've got decent tv background i've done a lot of color color commentary dvds tv uh you know different wrestling events things like that and i've got i've got decent tv experience um uh sports and non hell i i actually i'm, I'm not too proud of it. i did a did a jerry springer episode once which was a riot you're not the first guest on this show to do that. I'm sure I'm not. With you guys having wrestlers, we, they they went through a spell where they were uh, real fond of the boys as far as uh, mm-hmm. talent for their shows. Yeah, we had Jamie Dundee on the show, and nice. Oh boy. Well, you know, the, <laughs> you know Nelson. You know Chris Nelson. He he literally, and I've I've still got one of them sitting somewhere. He was an employee of the Springer Show. I mean, he drew a paycheck from them because he was a talent coordinator. Booker. Yeah, seriously, and, and it's because they had such good success getting workers to come in and, and do these angles for them on TV. And Chris knew a lot of these guys. You know, Chris been around. He's these thirty. I think Chris just turned thirty-three. I want to say, and he, you know, shit, he's been in the wrestling business since he was seventeen. Um, but he was a booker for them. He, you know, they'd call him say, "Hey, you know, we got an angle. This is what we need. We need this kind of person. You know, this kind of chick, whatever." You know, see what you can do. I mean, he, it wouldn't take him three hours, and he'd have it booked, done, ready to go. You're telling me the Springer show is a work? Man, I hate to break it to you, bro. And wrestling's real. Wrestling's real. The Springer show's a work. And it is a work. There is no Santa Claus, and you know, and the Easter Bunny is a is a pimp, and that's all I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, go for it, Alex. You have the office. Okay, um, we we deviated far from where I was trying to go, but um. I'm sorry. I'm looking right here, <laughs> I'm looking right here on, on your MySpace pictures, and I see uh, April 24, 2001, you won the tag title from Bad Attitude. 
Now, yeah. what combination of bad attitude was that? That was David Young. And Rick Michaels. And Ricky Michaels. That's correct. How, how in your opinion, how are those guys as workers? Oh, excellent. Excellent. Ricky and David both worked their asses off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved working with those guys, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm still buzzed. I'm, I haven't talked to Ricky in a while. Um, you know, David, I, I, I talked to him probably four or five months ago. With, you know, he was coming down for TNA pretty regularly and then being in Orlando. I don't go hang out at TNA. I'll pop by every once in a blue moon to say hey and see some of the boys and stuff, but I don't go all the time. Um, I think they were very, very good workers. Um, that was before David's, David's always been you know, strong as an ox, man. He's always been you know big, strong guy, but he's a lot more cut up now than he was then. Uh, Ricky was built real well and in good shape. Um, they could work. They are both old school guys. They, uh, we had a lot of fun with them. Um, I, I, you know, we worked them a couple, yeah, probably, probably four or five times, I imagine. But um, I thought they were very good. I thought they were very good. They, they did well together. Um, you know, obviously their their paths went a different direction. But um, I always enjoyed working them as a tag team. Um, you know, Ricky Ricky had some problems a few years ago, I guess, but I think he's doing okay now. Well, I, I think the TNA, TNA really hurt David. I think it really hurt him. The, yeah? The, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm only seeing his, seeing his name in, in small little shows in Georgia. He's not getting outside bookings. And it's a shame because Dave's a hell of a talent. I love watching that guy. But he, well, he's excellent. He's excellent. And, and of the two, it's funny, of Ricky and David of the two, yeah, I would say the more talented and more dedicated, to be honest with you, was probably David. Uh, well, Ricky, people don't realize this. Ricky got dark matches and stuff with the Fed. They liked him. You know, They liked his ability. They liked what he could do. Um, but yeah, David. I don't know, man. You know, I hear you, and I, and at this point in the ball game, I wish I had a better answer for you. But I, to me, I would think that the stuff you see him booked on, as much as anything, may have to do with choice. And you know, I could be wrong there. But you know, Dave's got a kid. Wanted to stay home. Stay yeah. Home, well, it's, it's and I don't know that it's even that he wants to stay home. But you hit a certain stage. You know, I can I can tell you this firsthand. We. There was a time that if we had an open spot on the calendar and we got called and offered a booking, it was, we'd take it. I mean, now granted, it had to be reasonable. It wasn't like we was going to drive to Baltimore for show pay. Um, but, you know, yeah, we wanted to work. Our goal was three shows a week, and we typically hit it. Um, you know, took some finagling, took a lot of driving, and took a lot of traveling, uh, but we typically worked three days a week minimum. Sometimes four and five just depends. You know, we would. You know, I, I kind of handled the booking arrangements, so you know, we we would do that. But uh, Dave, at this point, man, he may be low key a little. I think you get to a point where you 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 hit a certain level, you know. And, and he worked. With, he was with TNA, man, at least for the first four years, if not five. And I, I know he's not really under contract with them now. I know he left under good graces and still has a good relationship with them. But I know he's not been working with them for a while. But I think sometimes you get to a point, you, you, you work at a certain level, and it's tough to go backwards. It's, it's, tough, to, uh, it's, it's tough to want to go, to get yourself motivated sometimes, depending on your state of mind, to go, if, you, if you've been in front of 
you know, two, three, four thousand on a regular basis and more, all of a sudden go and work in, you know, a show in front of a hundred people is it it takes more to get up for it. Now you got some guys who just love to work and they don't care. They don't care if it's ten or if it's ten thousand. They're gonna go, they're gonna do everything that they got and they're gonna bust their ass and they're gonna put the same show on for ten or ten thousand and that's a true professional. And that's someone who absolutely loves the business. Um, David is a guy who I would say typically has fit that mold, but I don't know. You know, I, I can't say where he's at with that right now. It, it may be that he feels a little bit differently about that at this point, which is why he's not taking as many bookings possibly. I can't believe he wouldn't be in demand. And as many shows get run in that whole Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida corridor, all of which he's got good access to, uh, I, I don't believe he'd be hurting for bookings if he was wanting to work them. Um, he would be a top-notch addition to just about any indie show out there. I just started listening to Between the Ropes a little while ago, and then um, a couple of years ago I picked up a DVD because it had a, a it had a really strong semi-main and main event. That was the NWA 53rd anniversary show. And then actually it was a couple it was a couple months ago that I made the connection that the guy I was listening to on Between the Ropes actually worked this show. Now, what are some of your memories of the NWA 53rd anniversary show, wow. especially the uh, the steel cage five-on-five match you had against Team IPW? Yeah. The wild side invaded. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a fun time, man. I loved that. Um, and I was neck deep in it. I was office at that point with NWA Florida. Um, you know, I pretty much at that point, I had – I probably booked 60%, 70% of the talent for NWA Florida at that point uh, with, you know, Howard, Howard Brody, who was the NWA president. And, of course, the, uh, you know, he had the NWA Florida territory at that point. Uh, you know, I was the one who got involved and kind of brokered the working agreement between NWA Florida and IPW. Uh, and, you know, my, man, my initial reasoning for that was very selfish is because IPW was a place that Chris and I, if we were in Florida – and they were working. Of course, we were there. Uh, we traveled a lot at that time, so we weren't there for every show. But uh, Brody and uh, Ron Nemi with IPW, they couldn't stand each other. And um, Oil and water. Oh, big time, big time. And we, we kind of brokered the peace agreement between the groups and worked the angle where it was, you know, IPW versus NWA floor. And it was over, man. I mean, it was over. We were getting big crowds at the Hesterly Armory in Tampa. Uh, you know, drawing routinely, you know, low end of 500, a high end of 1100 in that building. And, um, you know, IPW was running every couple weeks typically, and they were, you know, always packed out the WrestlePlex for IPW. Uh, you know, the fact that the 53rd took place at the IPW WrestlePlex was because of 9-11. You know, that was booked for the Armory. And uh, after 9-11, we couldn't get in the Armory. The Armory was not available for wrestling for a long time because it was all under lockdown, it was an active military armory, so we couldn't work there. And uh, it was pretty crazy, man. That that 53rd show, just insanity. I mean, so many matches, all these people coming down. Uh, you know, that thing, that thing was the birth for a lot of things. That was really, that was where Steve Carino uh, really, really got his Japan connection made. You know, Steve pitched the angle with him and Hashimoto. And uh, and basically, Steve came and said, "Look, I want Hashimoto just to beat the shit out of me." 
I mean, I want him to put every wicked kick he's got on me. I'm going to take a pounding from this guy because he, he had a goal. He wanted to get over to the point where the Japanese wanted him over, and look what it did for him. He was in, you know, he was a stalwart in Japan up until this year. And uh, he still is. Dork a couple weeks ago. What's that? He still is. Yeah, God, he was no. back over there, wasn't he? That's right. He's 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 over there. I mean, I know he's you know he's ha ha retiring. Um, <laughs> But you know, I know you know he's being open about the fact that he plans to still work a pretty full schedule doing the wrestling three gimmick, and uh, you know you know he'll make appearances as Steve Carino. And I just I Steve, you know I know we're getting off the fifty third. Steve's a, a a good friend, love him to death, love working with him. Um, I hope I hope he is con- is continuing and will continue his trend away from such brutal matches because he's you know he's younger than me. And he's got so many miles on him, dude. He is just—he is taking some just merciless ass beatings over the More years. More miles than most rental cars. Oh my God, dude! He's got a lot. Got a lot on him, and he's taking a lot of beatdowns. And you know, hey, I get it. His heart's in it. And but I just, you know, he's got his kids, and he's married now. And I just—I'm glad to see that he's kind of getting away from that to a, to an extent. But you know, the 53rd man, it was uh, getting back to that. That was. I was a proud papa, and I've alluded to this before. You know, I was the one who booked the uh, the Chris Daniels AJ Styles match. That was mine, and That's I was the first one to put those two in the ring together. That and was a great match. Oh yeah, that was phenomenal. Or oh, that was phenomenal. Phenomenal, no one intended, right? Yeah, well, and that was before he was the phenomenal AJ Styles. You know, so, <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, I, I was I was grinning ear to ear because that was my match. You know, I, I came up with that and said, hey. I know these guys, worked with them both, seen them, but we got to put them together. And, uh, you know, contacted Chris and AJ, and, you know, they were, they were into it. They said, man, that'd be awesome. We've been, you know, I'd love to work him and vice versa. And, uh, you know, got it, got it put together, got it put in, and that was the show stealer of the night. And uh, I remember when it worked, they, you know, they come in the back, entire locker room. And on that show, that was substantial because there were just, Dozens and dozens of workers on that show because of the 53rd. These guys got a standing ovation. You know, the crowd just lost their mind, and you know, the boys were just popping for it. And uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just standing. There. I'm, I'm, I'm damn near teary-eyed. I'm so proud of what went on out there. And then it hit me, <laughs> man, that was amazing. Oh shit, we're next. <laughs> and I, you know there, there was no thought that went into that on our end or anything like that but it's like yeah they went out there and just completely blew the roof off the joint and the next match is me and Chris against Total Destruction which was Sean Royal and Rusty Riddle I'm sorry Vito but you, you guys you guys you know couldn't follow that if you were you no. know in no. the ring with nude women I mean no. you couldn't follow it uh, no we that couldn't that should have been the main event but no we couldn't that, that was that was amazing, and uh, you know, yeah. So, and the thing we worked Rusty and Sean, I think four times, and the match at the fifty third was by far the most eh, of the four times we worked them. Um, we had two matches with them up in Atlanta that were awesome. I mean, just tore the building down. I'm not normally, I'm not a hardcore guy. I don't like the, the you know, the barbed wire and blood and all that all the time. I mean, that's that's not my shtick. I've done it. A few times just to prove a point, just to say, okay, yeah, I can do this. Now don't ask me to do it again. 
Yeah, but if it makes sense, it makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. So what you're saying is it makes point. sense with these guys, right? Well, when we well when we got with Total Destruction, you know, the deal with them was they were working up at Wildside, mm-hmm. and um, they, you know, anybody who'd been up the Wildside at that point, you know, was following it. There was some good talent up there, and they had some good stuff going on yep. at Wildside, and, and we were popping up there on a pretty regular basis because we had the belts, and you know, of course, Barons. He was a you know he was a big dealer in NWA, and um, but man, they had so many small guys up there. I mean, they were that was just that was a fed that was just full of tiny guys, and it's frustrating because they had all these little flyers, and it's here you are right in the heart of old school territory, and they got all these little pixies that are flying around and flip flopping and. You know, hitting 85 finishers per move, and you know, pretty much doing everything that I just completely preach against. And but they had one team up there that was different, and that was Sean and Rusty. And you know, Sean, Sean been around a long time, so had Rusty for that matter. Uh, both of them huge guys. I mean, you know, I think they're like six six, six eight in that range, big dudes. Uh, you know, Sean had been in the new breed with Chris Champion. Um, they were they did pretty good run. They did several you know uh, WCW you know slash uh, NWA Georgia back in the day pay per views. Now back when Sean was Sean was the one that got hurt, right? Yeah, yeah. Sean okay. had gotten hurt. Um, he got trained by Nelson Royal. Um, Sean was you know he's a big dude who could work. I mean he could flat work and go and oh you know really like working with him, but he. We, we we went up there, and we had been getting stuck in these matches with just second-tier teams at Wildside. And just finally said, you know what? I called Barons, and I said, dude, you keep bringing us up there. You're sticking us with your, your horseshit teams. No disrespect. I mean, you know, it's not to say that these, none of them were any good, but he was sticking us with his teams that didn't matter. And the reason was because he knew the score. You know, he wanted to protect his talent. He didn't want us coming up and going over. He knew that we were the world champs and that we were going all over working and Quite frankly, he didn't feel like having us come in and beat up his, his, his over teams. So he would stick us with his second and third tier teams. Wasn't getting over with the crowd. They didn't know us from Adam. You know, we're going up there doing our shtick, and yeah, we're getting heat, but for all the wrong reasons. It's because we're not local. They don't know us. We're working nobody's. Who are you guys? So I finally called Bill. We were getting ready to, we were getting ready to go up to Atlanta to do TV. We were going to be coming from Texas. We were working at uh, the NWA Texas Steel, Dallas-Fort Worth area. We're a team called Black Attack down there. Uh, God damn, were they stiff. Oh, jeez. One dude looked like he looked like Ron Simmons, you know, illegitimate son. Damn. And, uh, they had this other dude. They were good guys, but, you know, God damn, dude, we got in there, and they hit us about four or five times. I'm in the middle of getting pounded in the ring, and I'm looking up the window. I'm like, bro, do we owe you money? What the fuck? <laughs> well, those... Those Texas guys are stiff. Oh god, they are stiff. stiff. I got off my best. I know I'm going off a tangent. I got I got off one of my best lines of all time in 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 that show in in, in Texas. And we went to Texas many times, but we're in the ring. It was a good crowd. They they had about 800 people there, and um, they said something, and we're out there cutting a promo, and we're getting pretty good heat. And then it's you know right in the heart of Von Eric country, of course, Dallas Dallas area and stuff, and. uh I get on the mic and I look around. And I said, "Man, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's something to the effects that, you know, you people are ignorant and something such. And this place is deader than a Von Eric family reunion." Ooh, and, bro! Shit. I mean, I mean, you, I just, boy, you want to talk about hitting the hot button? 
dude, the cops will kick your ass for yeah, that. Pretty much. Never mind getting you out. Pretty much. Well, it's funny because the promoter comes up. He's oh. like, God damn, man, you saying stuff? He goes, I can't have you guys go out there at half time, or at, uh, at intermission and, and sign autographs and take Polaroids. I'm like, oh, dude, we're heels. We don't need what, to be out what, signing autographs and taking Polaroids. Was it Ken Sweeney? It was Ken, yes. Thank it you. It was Kenny? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, he was all flustered, you know, because he... He's he's like you know he just he he's not you know I guess they don't say things like that there but uh, hey it worked because boy we sure got some heat um, but yeah so the, the the deal with it, Georgia we did that with with total destruction call Bill Barons and just say hey Bill you know what no disrespect but you've been sticking us with your scraps tell you what we want Sean and Rusty and he kind of laughed he goes you want Sean and Rusty I said yeah yeah we want Sean and Rusty and I said and for that matter we want it to be you know Something, something stiff. Let's, let's let's make this bunkhouse rules. Let's make this, you know, no DQ. Something, you know, do, do something to address this thing up. He's like, he starts laughing. He goes, why, why would you ask for that? He goes, these guys are just mean. He goes, you you know how they work. I go, because we got to prove a point. I said, you know, I, I feel like we're coming up there and we're just kind of coasting, man. You're you're sticking us with also rans and, you know, we're not we're not getting it done up there. And I said, and it's pissing me off. So I said, you need to put us with somebody who matters. So he did it. And we went up there, and they worked an angle where they come out during the middle of a promo, and you know they were over as hell with the crowd up there. And we went for I don't know 15, 20 minutes. I think we destroyed five sections of wall for the you know crowd barrier. We destroyed a set of ring steps, messed up one of their cameras, uh, broke all kinds of shit, man. Just destroyed the building. All four of us is bleeding like stuck pigs. And honestly, we took it to them. We were stiff with them. We opened it up and just started pounding them. Of course, with those guys, I think they got off on it. Um, but, you know, boom, got in the back. Those guys are like teary-eyed. They're like giving us hugs and, oh, thank you, brother, and all, because nobody had worked with them. Everybody hated working with them. They're big guys that work stiff. And all these little guys up there were scared to death of them. And uh, we went up there and just went at it with them. And, dude, that really launched it, man. From that point forward, we were like public enemy number one up there. But we earned a lot of respect with that. You know, that was a team nobody wanted no part of. We went up, we asked for them, took it to them, and it, it, it really, it's like we had instant credibility in the locker room then. But uh, they were a lot of fun. And, you know, going back to the 53rd thing, man, the, the, the angle with the wild side guys and the Florida guys, that was good stuff. Cage was insanity. Uh, you know, it was just a great show and a great time. That was that was a good time for the NWA. It was really climbing at that point, and it went through some down years after that. And now with you know with uh, NWA Pro going on in Vegas and them not being tied to TNA's hip anymore, I think the NWA is in a position now where at least some of their stronger uh, stronger promotions really really are on the upswing again, which is pretty cool. Well, I'm Alex. Alex and I have discussed this quite a bit in the past, but I'm going to go out on a limb and publicly say it now. Um, I feel that the NWA will become a viable contender to TNA. Um, all that's missing is uh, Marquez getting in bed with a money mark, and I think that money mark is going to be Mark Cuban. Um, I think they're going to get in bed together, and soon you will see the NWA name out there competing with TNA. You see, here, here's my, and, and maybe you can help me out with this because you were in the war room a lot of times in the, in the, in the a lot of years ago with the NWA. But right. 
my my question is what's what's the NWA badge? Because I'm here in Southern California, and there's a lot of NWA promotions. Uh, pretty much all of Southern California is NWA promotions. Sure. And then their their houses are, I mean, they're not doing. I mean, uh, Jesse Hernandez runs EWF, and he's doing really really well. But I mean, just to be blunt, I mean, he's about it. Right. I mean, I'm kind of confused how the NWA is going to get more national mainstream exposure, but I'm kind of confused as how it's going to help the little uh, promotions here in Southern California. And then I don't understand the use of TV if you don't – because, okay, if I watch the NWA TV every week that they film in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. why am I going to want to go see my local NWA promotion? Because all the angles that I'm seeing aren't going to be played out in my hometown. Does that make any sense? Well, it does, but what the thing is is you you got to go back to the mentality that was that was in place for all wrestling fans in the days of the territories, because that's essentially what the NWA still comprises. Uh, you know, you you got Marquez's outfit out of Vegas that's running TV now, and you know, and doing pretty well. They've got some decent talent in there. You know, it's a professional setup situation, and 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 I'm hearing some decent things about that. I mean, you'll hear some people schmuck it out a little bit, but. By and large, you know, good reviews. Um, where that is going to help by having a national, you know, albeit, you know, it's got limited exposure. I know not everybody's seeing it, but um, but by having that national hub that they've got now with the Vegas outfit, and like you said, there's a lot of NWA territories, promotions, whatever you want to call it. Um, some obviously a lot stronger than others. What you've got to get to happen here is that they've got to have this national TV product. It's got to grow. It's got to get more exposure. And then the next step, and this is this is an area which the NWA regional territories have struggled now for a long time, they've got to travel their main people, their main players, their main champions, and they've got to make the rounds through the smaller NWA territories. And you've got to, you know, back in the day, you know, you had all these NWA regions that were affiliates. Not all of them had NWA in their title, but, you know, perfect example, Championship Wrestling from Florida, okay? Championship Wrestling from Florida was a badass wrestling promotion. You know, some of their, you know, day-in, day-out stalwarts are guys that are big stars. Um, you know, Barry Windham, Mike Graham, Mike Rotundo, you know, Luger, he got his start here. Um you know, there were a lot of guys that were, this was their home base. And then, of course, you had uh, the national guys. You had, you know, Flair, Wahoo, the Horsemen, uh, Nikita, Ivan Koloff. You know, they would all come through here on a regular basis. <clears throat> That's what it's going to take. It's going to take a hub core main national, quote-unquote, NWA primary crew, and they're going to have to start traveling. And it's, A, they've got to be willing. Most of them are. B, the regional promotions have got to be willing to bring them in, promote them, and pay decent. Now, what you're going to see happen is there's going to be stronger regional promotions that will get on board with that notion if they do this right. They're going to be the ones that they get TV. TV is the key, man. If you're going to get a feed, if you're going to get a rub and make – a national hub promotion work for your advantage, you've got to have regional TV too. Um, 
and, and, and that's, that's the missing element for, for the territories now is missing television. You can have a small outfit that runs regularly, you know, once, twice, three times a month, once a week, whatever, and, and beyond. If you're not promoting it with a television product, it's just tough to get people to buy in because too many promotions, you know, you guys follow the indie scene real, uh, real strong. Too many promotions, man, they want to run storylines, but how the hell do you follow a storyline on a once-a-month show? YouTube. Well, you know what, though, man? It's, that works in the big picture, and for wrestling fans across the, the country and the world, for that matter, yeah, they can follow that. that there's no doubt. But for the most part, you've got to have a local fan base that is in touch with your product directly. Now, we're, we're in an age where, yeah, YouTube and things like YouTube are a factor, and you can get the message out there. But let's, let's face it, it, it's a tough sell for your traditional wrestling fan, particularly the wrestling fans that are going to go to a lot of uh, you know, regional shows, go to a lot of indie shows. It's a tough sell to get them all to tune in on YouTube every week. You know, they're, they're, wrestling fans are creatures of habit to some extent. You know, they're used to... Okay, hey, you know what? Saturday mornings or you know whatever night, you know, pick a time. Who cares? You tune in, you watch the show, you get your fix, you're up to speed, you know the storylines, and off you go. Um, I don't want to cut you off, Mister Danucci, but um, I, I do have a question, real fast, and we are coming down on time, and and uh, you've been a great guest, and Casey, you definitely need to bring it back because there's a lot more stuff oh, yes. we can go into, but um. What can you say about, I understand the point of having TV, but I think there's definitely a difference between having TV and having good TV because I can't think of any wrestling promotions off the top of my head, but I can definitely point toward mixed martial arts and two companies in particular with Bulldog Fight and IFL who had very strong uh, television outlets. Mm -hmm. And um, I I don't think that that, I mean, I could be wrong, but I mean, it it doesn't seem like that helped out those companies uh, really at all. Well, you're right, and, and but uh, two things on that. One, MMA fans and wrestling fans are two completely different animals, and make no mistake about that. And if you talk to most hardcore MMA fans, <laughs> you start lumping them in with a wrestling fan, you're gonna piss them off. They they find it's an insult. Um, Is the crossover not that strong? Because I'm I'm both a wrestling fan and MMA. Fan, hey, bro, I am too. And and you know, Dickerman, myself, Fritz, we're all in the same boat with that. I mean. Uh, but you'd be amazed at how many, you know, wrestling fans tend to be both. Wrestling fans tend to like the MMA stuff as well. But what I have found is that the hardcore MMA fans, they don't really, they don't dig the connection to wrestling. They're they're not into it. It's not their thing. And it's it's different viewing habits. You know, bro, I'll tell you what, if, if, if you have me on again, I'd love to talk some MMA with you, too. I'm a, you know, huge fan, big student of the game. Uh, we cover it for our show extensively. And I'll tell you right now, uh, you know, IFL is a great concept, but they need some star power. Um, you know, and not, not the coaches and not the announcers. You know, the best fighter in IFL is Boss Rutten. The problem is he does color commentary and he's in the office. Um you know, there's there's a lot of reasons for you know the Bodog thing as well, but uh, yeah, that's a different topic. But yeah, I hear you. you. You do have to have good TV, but I will tell you too that one of the reasons the territories died was because you had Vince and you had WCW after them giving away uh, 
premier show quality matches on TV that that didn't used to happen. You know, it used to be you got one good main event match on the on whatever wrestling promotions TV you were watching. You got one good match, and then the rest of them were, you know, you, you had your star coming in working against a jobber, and he did his thing. And occasionally you'd have the good jobber who could actually give somebody a little bit of a run, but we knew it was going to happen. But what they did was they hyped the matches, they hyped the house shows, they hyped the feuds. You know, that was back when you had guys that you know, you'd have a big feud going. They would argue back and forth, maybe Pearl Harbor each other a couple times on TV, but they didn't have a match on TV until it really got going on the house shows or the pay-per-view, which they were trying to sell. And that's part of the All problem. Right. You know, well, Vito, I'm going to have to cut you off, brother. It hey, was, I hear you. It was our pleasure, and when we get off the air, I'm going to give you a call right back so we can get you booked again. Please um, do. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, no, I appreciate it, guys. You know why I'm, uh, you get me talking. I don't talk for hours. So, well, um, hey, real quick, I'll, if I can, just tell everybody. Hitbetweentheropes.com. Yeah, hitbetweentheropes.com. New site debuted. The archives are up. It's like four bucks a month for access to a bunch of exclusive stuff. The weekly show is still free, of course, and we've changed our radio home. We're on 1080 ESPN in Orlando and 1060 ESPN over on the Space Coast. So, uh, congratulations. Check it out. We appreciate it. Guys, I had a blast, man. Let's do this again. Thanks for having. Thanks for coming on, dude. It was it was definitely my pleasure, brother. And I, like I said, I'll call you in a few minutes. We'll get you booked on again. Beautiful, Very guys. Easy. Take it easy. All right, brother. Dusty promo when your teeth don't hurt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Promo. No, we will definitely. You guys need a quick one. Yes, sir. Okay, uh, we can do this. Who do you want me to cut a promo on? Brian Alvarez. <laughs> Brian Alvarez. Oh yes. damn. Okay, I gotta watch this because I think I'm going to WrestleMania with him. <laughs> okay. He's gonna right. hear this tomorrow. Let me tell you something, Brown Alvarez. You nothing but a no good yellow lily leather sex ex sucking dog is what you is. You out there? You trying to present wrestling news? There's no wrestling news. The only news that's out there is Brian Alvarez is sniffing jocks, and he's out there trying to find a scoop. There ain't no scoop. The scoop is, don't go to Brian Alvarez. Go to Between the Ropes. Go to Lobo God Radio. Tell Brian Alvarez that he's a no-good yellow dog. He's just like Nikita Koloff, and that's what I'm talking about. Bottom line, first blood. That's it. Now then. Vito, man love for you, baby. <laughs> I will talk to you very soon. All right, guys. Be good. Thanks, brother. See ya. All righty. Well, we're going to wrap up real quick. We're down to 10 seconds. MySpace.com backslash RiverGuard Radio. That's it. We're out.